millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I watched watched like a Christmas, like a Glaswegian Christmas film the other day. (laughs) And it was, it was really bizarre. It was like about a radio host who uncovers some uh, conspiracy with all the ice cream truck drivers around the city. Man. What kind of conspiracy? Well, there was sort of I think I think from memory the uh, some of the, one of the ice cream. Oh, I don't know. I can't remember really. I can't really explain it. It'd probably take too long. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds bizarre. But it's good. I wish I could remember what the name of it was. Is it an old film? Maybe it's. From about from the nineties, maybe I think the title is like a is like a, a part of a Christmas song or something. I'm gonna look this up. This is intriguing. To yeah, me. I wish I could remember what it was. Do you have a go to Christmas film? Do you have one you kind of find yourself continually coming back to? Not really, but th- I think there's a lot of good films that are actually sort of Christmas films by proxy or something. You know, like the ones the ones that sort of just have like a Christmas element to it that you just would say oh that one like die hard yeah that's the one that usually people people go to or um do you ever like any like shane black's films like the nice guys or kiss kiss bang bang and stuff like that kind of always tend to be set at christmas i've I've seen the uh kiss kiss bang bang i think but no not a lot haven't seen a lot of them would you say are you are you a creature of habit i think uh i rather than habit i think i'm a i'm a uh, i feel like really quite aware of falling into habits and so I try to change let's sort of move away from them if if uh if I do but I do I think routine is something that I try that's what I try to employ do you find it's easier to be creative when you have a routine that you can kind of exist within a structure in that way I think it's just the nature of what like getting up every morning to make music by the nature of that job there's sort of some structure is necessary you know otherwise probably just 
I don't know, like spend too long on a certain idea or something. Yeah, you can kind of get lost in it. Yeah, there sort of needs to be a bit of a bit of harmony between sort of being free enough to follow any sort of random thought all the way to its conclusion, and also to just say, no, that's this is this has gone off too long. How are you then? Like, how are you listening to your intuition to know which ideas to kind of follow and which rabbit holes to go down, and how do you know when to kind of back away and it's not going somewhere? I think because there's like there are a few sort of versions of the idea, the sort of the idea that 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 sort of comes fully formed and oh, I'm going to try this out. Then there is sort of experimentation, which is the sort of the dangerous part, but then also a kind of like a marriage of the two where it's an idea fully formed, but then it's sort of, you are experimenting at the same time and it, then it takes its own, you kind of follow it um, away. I, and I think, I think, persp- I think stopping is, is uh, not that I know, not that I have a sort of formula for when I, when I s- stop doing something, but definitely walking away from something is the, is the best, um, yeah, remedy for all of the above. Is it quite a hard part of the process though as well? Kind of having to finally leave it and decide that that's it finished? Yeah, definitely, definitely hard. But you sort of get better at it because, we'll say for example this year I've pretty much come into my, my studio here, well, basically six days a week from about eight or nine to four or five or six kind of and so I know that I'm coming in tomorrow so I can just walk away and and leave something and I think I tend to the afternoon when you sort of start to feel tired coming back in the morning with fresh perspective things generally sound better than they did in the afternoon anyway are you most creative in the morning is that when you kind of have that burst of energy or I think yeah at the moment definitely but if I do have an idea for something in the evening, I'll just, it's as simple as just writing it down and coming in and, you know, using the tools to try to execute it. What do you do on the seventh day? If you're in that studio six <laughs> days a week, what does the seventh entail? Just the other parts of life, I think, you know, sort of, it's nice, it's nice to really lo- like leave everything here and just go and not even really do anything to do with music chores and things like that. Be outside, enjoy the sun, read books, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Is it easier to balance life and music now that you're doing it full time? Because it's, it's, I mean, it's obviously quite an obsession. You know, is it easier to to find that balance? Yeah, it's happy. I think it's just like it's not it's not so much that it's because it's a full time job. It's more that I've just learned that I need to do that. I always, I think I always really sort of fetishized the sort of artist who is 24-7 and needs to just, and just can just work on anything at any time and middle of the night get up and do something. And I just realised, I know my limitations and I know that this kind of way that I work here is, yeah, is how I work best. And also that I, some weeks, I just can't, it's as basic as I can't really come up with any ideas or I just feel like I've been lobotomised or something. It's just wrung dry. Do you have to step away when that happens? I try to. I think sometimes I just then go and read books or do kind of more mundane things, like clean up. <laughs> <laughs> At what point did you did you move away from that idea of the artist who's working on things 24-7 and come into that uh, structure of routine and a kind of daily working pattern? Uh, because I don't think I ever really, ever really did do it like that. I think when I realised that, oh, I don't need to have that sort of access 
you know, I don't need to allow myself that I can just really shut off and it's going to be okay. I probably realized that, I don't know, just this year has been big for those sorts of realizations, realizing that you're sort of not always running out of time and the sort of pressures that are put on for all this kind of stuff is has just been put on by me. So I can just s- slow down a bit. <laughs> what sorts of other revelations have you came to this year? Well, I don't know. A lot of the other revelations in this studio have just been sort of on more of a technical level, just interesting ways to record things and getting practiced at that, I suppose. But I don't know. I think I've... It's, it's just... Uh, there's just been a lot of... Just watched a lot of good movies and read a lot of good books this year. Are you... You know, we're going to start it off there speaking about patterns and, and, and habits. When was the last time that you noticed a, a pattern or a habit in your in your music, your creativity, and then kind of went about rectifying it and moving away from it? That's a good question. I've basically... I've, there's like a sort of a whole album worth of songs, which is sort of... They have their sound that I've finished, and I think basically I used the I used the uh, the sort of habits or the patterns in like amongst those songs or that it, when I sort of thought oh maybe I'll have this be what keeps them all gives them all a familiarity to one another. After I sort of finished that, I decided to just sort of try to change it up, go against the grain, you know, for the next batch. So much of what I do is in my own head that it's it's kind of hard I find it I find it hard to put into words sometimes since I've also been working with other people a little bit this year I'm trying to sort of say things more out loud and sort of that's when the realizations are more happening about the process kind of thing I guess it's difficult as well because the music does the music become the way that you communicate and you communicate your idea is it easier to communicate your ideas by just doing them in music as opposed to trying to vocalize them in terms of you know speech i think when people ask me these questions or when they when i get interviewed i try too hard to answer it in the in this way that i sort of the real answer is obscured sometimes but it's kind of it's it is easy but also it, it to talk about well um no, it's easy to like i can explain what i mean when i or what my intentions are with the music but it's sort of there's a few different aspects to it i guess it's left open as well though although you can explain you know your intentions behind it you you don't really have any way of knowing the impact that it's going to have upon the individual who's listening to it and there's that space that's kind of left in it for them to impart their own meaning and and experiences into it yeah totally and i think i think feel like the feeling feel in the music part is huge for you know when I make my decisions and why I make my decisions it's like kind of instinctual so that's that's what kind of makes it hard to talk about in in a few ways but then there's all the sort of other little bits and pieces kind of following your heart as opposed to your your head kind of just going with your gut yeah I mean I think the songs always know kind of what they want to be and if they don't get there then I think that's that's when you got to sort of move on Every little song idea always starts out with so much potential, but it do, it's, doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to get there. I think that's maybe the thrill, the exciting part for me, is to try to see if you can take this little thing with so much potential energy to, and just turn it actually into something finished. Can that be upsetting, though, as well, if a song doesn't, if it feels like a song doesn't reach its full potential? Like if you have an idea that you're really excited about, but for whatever reason you just can't get it to that final spot where it can soar? I think it takes practice getting over those feelings and or just you know some some of these songs this year I think I've I'm onto my fourth full go 
at them, kind of. The core of the song is all the same, but they sound completely different. I don't know. I think it it's worth it. It's been worth it in the past, and if you don't spend too long on it, I mean, there's always things you you sort of figure out on the way anyway, so it's never completely wasted time. I mean, the way you're approaching it, though, must be quite different as well by the time you're on that that fourth run at it. How does that kind of mindset feed into the, the creativity and the songwriting itself and the way that you kind of work on it? I think it's like sometimes I just circle back around and it ends up being what it was in the beginning, sort of is the best, you know, sort of try to recapture that. The sort of, I guess, sometimes overworking things, it sort of makes makes it all sound a bit complicated and it's real cerebral to listen to, but then really an empty rough kind of thing is maybe what's needed do you ever feel yourself overthinking things and then kind of draw back or yeah all the time all the time because because it's hard not to feel like you have to prove yourself as a musician or prove that you sort of like make things complicated or make it interesting for people just which is i suppose a sort of imposter syndrome thing do those feelings get any easier after three records, though? Because, I mean, when you've put out three albums, you know, and kind of grown as an artist in terms of both size and in soundscape over those three albums, does it then become easier to, you know, you kind of have proved yourself? Yeah. Or, or do you feel that way on, on a personal level, or does it still not feel like to you that you've managed to hit that kind of level of contentness? I, th- I think it's just um, when I have clarity about it all, it's sort of uh, it's the driving force is more is more inside of me. So I just am... If I'm not satisfied with, like, I think I've been really happy with all the records, but it's just I'm not satisfied that I've done as much as I could do or or sort of there's always, I want to make another thing that does something else that kind of captures me in a certain way. I don't really feel like I've proved myself to myself. <laughs> um, and also I'm really, I'm interested in complicated things and seeing how far you can push certain, push, uh, you know, compositional things and sound things. But then if there's no song inside of the flesh of the song, of, of the, what, you've, what you've made, then it's, I don't know, I think it's need to dial that back a bit. Do you think you'll ever feel like you've proved yourself to yourself? Or will that be the thing that maybe constantly keeps fueling you and keeping you going? Prob- probably. I hope so. I enjoy doing doing all of this. It's really quite fun. So I think I don't really know what the answer to that is. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything else that you're conscious of within yourself that you feel like's fueling you in the same way that that kind of that motivation to prove yourself is too? Maybe there's definitely just like a kind of high that you get from making a great like a good song or a moment in you know when things come together that is worth chasing after. That's that's a big driving force. Uh, and then also just ideas for songs and things just come relatively often. So that's a that's a motivator. And also whenever I hear other people's music and help people with their with with their music or just listening to records and things like that, that also makes me want to go and make some music too. Do you remember the first time you felt that high? You know, of, of completing a song and you were really happy with it. That you mentioned there at the start. I th- I think the one that I'm talking about here here is like the first time I remember is when I first started recording things on my own. You know, you start layering things up together. I just had like a four track tape machine that I would that I was just working out how to use. And yeah, when things clicked or when that's that's when it would have been. 
Do you still record the tape now? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> when did that switch occur? When the tape machine died. It it died uh and then I switched over to I got like a I bought like a this a digital porter studio cuz the original the tape cassette deck thing was a a Tascam porter studio thing. And then yeah, I just got another little porter studio with faders digital recorded to that, burned it onto CD. Then I made the jump to putting things in the computer. You still have any of the old kind of analog gear? Uh that stuff. There's one of them Tom, the bass, uh, the one of the band members from Methyl Ethel, he has the has the digital one, I think. And it's got some old weird stuff on it, which is a bit of a trip down memory lane. Do you keep a hold of everything? Not really. Uh, more no. so these days. I used to just sell sell things to buy something else, but I was meaning more of... the the songs. Like you said, it's a trip down oh, memory lane. The songs. Well, uh, I most things. There's always a l- little piece of something everywhere. They get dug up every now and then. And it's, it's handy too because I just sort of, sometimes I resample my own things that I've recorded as well. That's interesting. Does it, do you still have like a memory and a feeling attached to the initial recording then when you sample it and you bring it into the song? Is it kind of combining into emotions at like the modern day experience of working with it and the feeling you had back at that time when you made it initially? I think when it's made into something else, the, the feeling changes or goes away. But there is definitely a, an emotion attached to listening to those old original demos and things it's very it's very much i always remember the place exactly where i was when i was doing we're recording that in terms of like location wise or headspace uh, location wise as it's turned out i've kind of recorded all this stuff all over the place does that make you quite conscious of of where you kind of position your studio then if the if the memories become quite attached to the location in that place are you quite is the environment is that quite an important thing for you and where you make your music not really but i am proud that i can that i've just recorded bits and pieces of things sort of everywhere in every kind of situation that i'm not too that i haven't been too precious over where i have to be or anything just kind of being thrifty with with time and things like that is something i've always tried to try to be in terms of just getting the most out of like a day yeah or or, you know when we used to be on tour every now and then just sort of making the most of the spare time that you have and just throwing something in there trying it out exploring a city as well or yeah definitely explore exploring is very important what sort of a role does you know traveling and exploring play an inspiration for the kind of creativity and the music you're working on yeah, I was going to say that's that's huge. I think there's something about moving, physically moving around that gives kind of like sort of lends itself to a clarity that sort of opens, I feel like it opens me up to to just have ideas land. Can you get a different sense of clarity when you're in the one location? Maybe maybe it's the maybe it's the the routine part of the day that lends itself to the same experience when it when I'm in one location. So say like when I catch the train here and the bus, those sorts of things, it's just this sort of commute time that gives a bit of brain space. But sometimes the the studio or the the sitting down to work or picking up the pen, that's the most intimidating part of the whole process. Like that's what's causing the the writer's block. Yeah, there's nothing more intimidating than a blank page. Yeah. Exactly. So do you have a physical studio space that you go to? Yes. Yeah, which is where I am right now. Nice. Has that always been that way? Or did you ever start off in like a kind of a home setup? Uh yeah, home setup. And then sort of as the years have rolled by, 
I've worked towards, I guess, more of a space. But this space here is uh, an old friend of mine's studio that he set up years and years ago. I essentially started recording in this very room, the earliest things for the methyl stuff, on that tape machine. So it's kind of serendipitous to be back here in the same room, but with a lot more equipment, the songs sounding a lot more hi-fi. Did you notice it have an impact on your songwriting when you first moved into that space and you had a physical place that you had to go to? I didn't really notice, but having a sort of a a nine-to-five approach to it and coming in on the train was that's probably had the biggest impact on it all. It's just just going into work. And some stability this year sort of hasn't been cut up with touring or anything like that. So it's just been pretty much straight down the line. Is this the first time in a few years that you've been in like the one location and you've not been, you know, jetting off touring? I think it feels like that. It probably isn't, but when it comes to when live shows roll around, it sort of can eat up a lot of a lot of time. So it feels like this has been the the most amount of time I've just been able to be a kind of producer for. Are you quite conscious of trying to find a way to channel that live experience into the creativity then? With what you were saying earlier, you know about how you're quite conscious of trying to be efficient with time and and work everything in. I think just when it comes to the live, because I keep them, I don't think about the live band and the and the records as the same thing. It's more like when I have to think about making a live show then it's sort of solving a different kind of problem so it's just yeah I have to change gear completely almost like shut shut down one side and uh, like open the other yeah just compartmentalize it a little bit yeah absolutely do you do that in your creativity as well like in the actual individual parts of the process that you're working on do you have do you have to like lock them into different places in your mind to work on it I'd like to say that I was able to do that but I think it's all kind of there's a lot of cross chatter between it all just kind of melts into the one flowing thing. A little bit, a little bit. What instrument do you primarily find yourself writing on these days? Well, up until about a couple of weeks ago, it was the just piano. But the old guitar has made a reappearance, and it's been really good. I think, I think what I've noticed is that I write kind of completely differently on on both of them, and they sort of balance each other out. One. When I'm at the piano, it's sort of, I think about the composition of the song more deeply. And when I'm playing guitar, it's sort of, it's more lucid. I sort of just play and can kind of follow my instincts more. Yeah, it's nice to jump between the two. Sounds like they're both tapping into quite different sides of your creativity. I guess so, but both important sides. And I think, I think I've always found easier to come up with good and new interesting ideas when I'm working in on something that's more technical so say I'm you know chopping something up or yeah working out a you know a part on piano or just like sitting and composing uh, like all the harmonic structure for it that's that's sort of there's this sort of, a little bit of a element of play there that's that's really helpful for me to just then like follow and follow an idea i think it was maybe brian Eno who was speaking about that and saying that's what music really is though for adult, adults isn't it though it's play totally yeah it's like when you're young and, you, and you're creating you're kind of encouraged to play but then when you get older we kind of seem to stop doing that and music is one of the ways in which we can continue to and kind of tap into that side of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's what I think it's been good to realize lately is that that's kind of that's kind of slowly what I think the more that 
I've worked on music and learned new things, the more I've sort of, you lose that element of play and you start to overthink things. And when, you know, record labels and, and numbers and things like that get involved, you sort of, sort of really start to overthink it in that way and lose the element of play. And to try to reintroduce that has been really helpful for me this year. And also to, to um, the borders finally opened to the eastern states over here in Australia. So a few of my friends slash band mates in town. So to get together with people and just play some music or at least come up with things together, ideas together, is uh, definitely reintroduces that playful aspect. Were you quite separated over the lockdown? Because I feel like you had quite a harsh kind of strict full-on five-month thing where everyone was kind of kept in their yeah. individual places, yeah. Our border here in Western Australia is like pretty, there's a 14-day quarantine or something if you come in. So it's pretty hard. Yeah. And for some struggling musicians, it's a bit expensive as well. When was the last time you left? Probably March or Feb this year, but only over to Melbourne, yeah. You're, you know, what we're speaking there about that idea and that, that element of play are you still quite, you're quite well versed in your, your music theory, right? I try to be. It's, I'm, I'm sort of a, I'm sort of a, like a, a flunky from high school who's just realised that I should have paid more attention and then paid more attention. I think it's easier sometimes though, to come to it on your own as well. Like when you're out of that structure of high school, which can be a bit suffocating, you can kind of just learn when you want to. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it makes kind of more sense when I have an instrument in front of me or I guess the things that I learned that I taught myself after school kind of then it was time to learn some more theory i've always tried i always try to kind of learn at least a a fair amount about something before i try to tackle it just in life in general like when you're kind of approaching any task you tend to try and yeah i'm sort of i'm pretty much a read the manual kind of person does that then though cultivate an environment in which something like the kind of um you know fluidity of play can occur if you kind of put in this work prior to it and build this this atmosphere where you feel confident and you can can you then kind of relax as a result of that and just do what feels natural definitely because i think you have to be aware in everything that just because it's written down on the page doesn't mean it's gospel and so even though that is the manual there are certain things that you i guess you have to discern yourself but certain things that you can disobey you know definitely when it comes to the voltage and how not to electrocute yourself they're things to obey but this kind of just the framework that is is all there so yeah it's just learn how to do it and then try to do it differently sometimes can it use the sense of self-doubt as well when you know when you've got a little bit of confidence and you know that you know what you know you're talking about and what you're playing with that's probably got something to do with it maybe there is something stronger in learning knowing how something works so that then you can use it to how you want to use it. You know, make it sort of fit your, the yeah, you know, fit it into how you, you want to do things. Yeah, kind of entwine it with your own personality. Put your own stamp on it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's something that's interesting to think about as well when it comes to the new EP, because every song on that has its own kind of very distinct personality. Did you have quite a lot to choose from when you were working? Because they come, they come from like... Songs that didn't quite make it onto the last record, right? It kind of was its own little... They were all made at the same time, but those that EP just sort of... They, they fit together more than the others, and I suppose they were written to be together in the end, worked on to be together. So it's not like they're off-cuts, but they are, yeah, their own sort of thing. I guess they are pretty... There's a bit of disparity between them all. 
but something that I'm kind of aware of that I never, I never real, I find it hard to do the same thing twice, even if the thing that I just did was really good. And I can say <laughs> that this is, this was a great way of doing something, but then I want to kind of move off in another direction. And maybe it's got to do with the fact that I enjoy so much different kind of music. Possibly as well, because the excitement which made it, because when you're initially doing it the first time, you're kind of discovering it a little bit. And the excitement which maybe factors into it being so good then isn't present when you go back to it a second time because you're kind of coming at it from a point of view where you already know what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I guess as well because I'm sort of untethered. There's no one to there's no one to stop me from going in any one direction. So I can really take it all the way there. Very free. Very free. So this is, I guess it's the sound of freedom. But I'm also getting better and trying to... I I acknowledge that cohesion in a body of music is an important thing or can be an important thing. Sort of tying things together in one way or another is... I don't know, it's, it's, it's been kind of exciting to do. To an extent, I mean, like, like your last record, every song on that is its own very distinct thing and no two songs sound the same, but they're kind of unified by that. They, I mean, they, I guess they kind of surround the keys on that, or the synths, rather, on that last album. But they're all kind of driven by that to a certain degree, but then the songs themselves take on different forms. Yeah. I guess there's a few ways of doing it. Growing up listening to sort of those epic kind of proggy kind of rec- records, you know, like the Pink Floyds and that sort of thing, it's, it is enjoy- it, it was enjoyable to listen to bodies of music that kind of have that through line or at least at least seem to be move like an opera or like a large symphony or something like that where there is motifs and it's where everything where everything is has been thought out but at the same time it's it kind of is a bit grandiose to 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 put that blueprint on uh like a, a pop record you can hear it in your choruses a lot though you know they're kind of big sweeping they tend to be the kind of more i guess the verses are quite intrinsically tied to your personality and then the choruses take on a slightly more they, they usually have quite a simple expression at the heart of them don't they and they're kind of allowed to soar in that way kind of gives them that anthemic edge perhaps that's a habit as well perhaps like a big chorus or and something that's relatable is is like one of the habitual things that i fall into when i'm writing things but finding a confident voice and like knowing knowing what you want to say and saying what you want to say is sort of the hardest thing in making music has what you want to say with your music changed over time definitely the way that I've, the way that i'm saying it as of this time around it's been hard work but i think that's part of it writing rewriting and just trying to balance like find that in between where it's 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 uh it feels natural to say something but it's said with purpose have you ever written a song as well then the initial idea that sparks it, you know, what we're saying there about the idea of it kind of changing. Have you ever written a song with the initial idea that sparks it is then no longer present in the final version that kind of complete, you know, changes completely over the course of like working at it and working at it? Yeah, definitely. And sometimes along the way, the, yeah, the, the initial ideas just become the worst part about the song and then they get overtaken. But I think when things get removed, it's more that something just naturally happens or some part will just come. Especially if it's like a, like a melody or something, and it just it goes straight in and it happens really quickly. But I mean, I think the thing is as well, it doesn't matter to me that much. I think when I when I realize that I stop being precious about the idea, the first thing, or you know, the thing that's in there 
having to stay there once once I realized that anything's possible and to just just don't be afraid to just delete things and just move completely on and just find the new you know try to make it better then it's sort of that openness lends itself to you know not being stuck which is really helpful and also because it always can be better and if you fuck it up it doesn't matter just you know you have to sort of screw it up and put it in the bin and start again and I think that's a really good thing it sounds like there's a real excitement that comes from removing something from a track as well. Can it add like a sense of momentum to the process? Is it quite liberating to take something out and delete it? Yeah, and I, I, it, it sort of comes, I've got into the habit now of it just happens so naturally. So if there was a, if you could f- physically represent the sort of cuttings for all the projects that I've worked on, I'm sure there would my floor would be littered with it every day. But I, I just am doing it so often that... You sort of I don't notice that that I'm that I'm cutting things out all the time, and also that is the real objective for me in setting up a studio. It is routing and getting everything so that I can work really quickly because I do work really really quickly, and so because I can get a sound, pull a sound at really with speed and at ease, and things sounds that I will pretty much keep, then it's fine to cut things out because I can always do it again. And I'm not. I'm not worried about my memory either. And also, I think. I think there was like a anecdote that I think it was Paul McCartney or something talking about how him and John would write together, and if they couldn't remember the chorus the next day or what they were working on, then it wasn't it wasn't sort of worth it. And in a way, it's kind of the same approach. If you can't just make it again, because it's not really the sound that that holds the the magic. It's 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 more than that. It's it's like a something you can harm more that's the magic is in what is is in the memory i suppose yeah and the the specific emotion which comes from such yes yep do you it's interesting you mentioned how you know how quickly you work and the way that you know cutting stuff out can kind of add into that process when you're when you're moving through something do you work faster as the kind of has the momentum of your workflow changed do you work faster than you used to or do you work slower or has that changed and evolved in any way with time as you've developed as a songwriter i think i slow down purposefully so i i make sure that i do take time and i step away from things i'm sort of i'm recording things in a more complex way and in ways that will save i'm sort i have the whole song more in mind when i actually commit things to tape or like record them so and that is a, that so as that's been added to the process i've also sped up again so i'm still kind of maintaining that that equilibrium it's recording music is really interesting that if you're if you're smart about it you make sacrifices along the way and you 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 record something and it it might might sound on its own not that great or not as good as it could be but it'll just sort of fit into the mix exactly where you need it to be Kind of like those people who build those stone walls all around, um, you know, the Scottish Highlands, you know, the ones that are all just stacked up on top of one another. Yeah. And they sort of, the people who, who make those, they they sort of smash those rocks up perfectly and it just put it straight in there. You know, that's that's kind of what the my process is like. Are you able to, do you keep the full sound like in your mind as well when you're working on it? If you're working on a specific point, in the track, are you still able to kind of have the whole thing playing out at the back of your mind? Can you are you able to kind of view it as where it kind of sits in the hole? When I'm in that sort of like maverick zone, that's when I sort of come up with the most pure ideas. I was like, sometimes I I will 
be away from the song and I'll sort of hear an idea or or I'm or I can listen to the song like a bounce of the song um when I'm driving or something like that or walking or don't have or running and I'll know exactly what I want to put into it but I think I'm more aware no maybe because I'm trying to come up with things all the time that I've noticed that I can't always come up with with, with ideas and sometimes I just yeah, I'm empty, like I said earlier. It's interesting what you're saying there about, you know, you'll take them in the car or you'll go for a run or you'll go for a walk with them. Does that tie into what we were speaking about earlier in any way with where you're on tour and you're moving and you kind of get a different sense of clarity? Is that a similar thing? Are you tapping into something else when you take it into a zone where you're moving with it? Yeah, absolutely. Even just closing, I think we forget so often to just like close our eyes and listen when you've got a screen in front of you with all of the bright colors and there's something about shifting your focus or what you can see or all of that that just helps you sort of listen a bit more deeply perhaps but also I kind of stopped taking things out of the studio like to I used to bounce things out all the time and listen to them a lot but it also sort of become too familiar with certain versions of things and it becomes you sort of maybe start to grow too attached to the little ideas and bits of songs and st- stop stop like asking yourself if it can be better yeah i don't know there's just like a lot of balancing to be done especially when you are the one putting the deadlines on and you're the one who says when it's finished yeah i mean songwriting itself is a balancing act it's about making sure that everything's kind of resting in a perfect balance so that it can function and, and convey the emotion or the the memory that you want it to in the right way yeah absolutely and and I think if I'm true to myself, I realize that I should try to f- I should finish songs in a certain time, and what I couldn't achieve with that song, try with another one. That's probably the best approach for me. Just kind of have a fresh hit at it. Not even at that song, just write a new song, and sort of let myself repeat some ideas, which is it's hard for me to do, but I should tr- you know, maybe the best approach would be to write a song. A bunch of different times and perhaps by the third or fourth time you might have ironed out all those problems but actually that that if you want to talk about process that's sort of something that I've started doing more now is is really writing the song outside of the box out of the computer out of the sort of studio zone trying to nail down on as much of it as I can before recording anything and that's been really helpful like write drafts of lyrics and all that sort of stuff. I used to just pr- just sort of make it as I go along, but sometimes you end up with a really good verse or, you know, bits and pieces or like a, a, f- a few interesting ideas that you tr- then you try to reverse engineer a song into and it sort of hasn't worked so well for me. It's interesting that the hypothetical idea that you mentioned though of, of trying to write a song, you know, multiple times and kind of just almost to refine it a little bit more each time do you do you almost write a song multiple times in the process of crafting one song like if you change it a lot and you're working through it a lot does do you almost do that with the one song i guess i guess so but the core the core element the sort of that that sort of sound bite that's in your head of 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 the song is always the same you know if i was to say name if i was to name any kind of song to you you'd flash like a part of it or this this thing in your brain, whether it's like, I don't know, all those memories and things. So it's always that that one that I'm working on. Do you still have that even after the song's finished? Like if I were to mention one of your songs to you, would you flash back to a specific point of it? Yeah. 
And maybe that's why I like some more than others, because it was just about how I was feeling when this sort of memory burned in. Like there's a song called What About the 37 Degrees? And I just remember listening to it when I, I don't know, got to a certain stage where the song was completed or, you know, I can't remember what it was. But I would just listen to that and just walk down the hallway of my house that I was living in. And that's what I can remember just feeling. Sometimes when I'm feeling really good and listening to my music, I just dance a lot. <laughs> and it's it's kind of a it's kind of a really good feeling and i know how the, this all sounds like it's sort of like getting off to your own you know brand but i don't know it's a good feeling movement can be a good indicator though but because it's such a subconscious thing it's almost like you're taking yourself out of it and you know that if you're able to dance to it, other people probably will be as well because you can't really control that it's more of a it's an innate thing isn't it yeah yeah i think at the end of the day it's sort of this is that's exactly why I do this because all what I chase is these those sort of those sort of moments and the rest of it is all just kind of secondary. <laughs> we, we we've spoken a little bit in the last few minutes about you know repetition as well in terms of the in terms of the process and kind of getting to the heart of a song. In a more literal sense, you know, repetition obviously plays a role in your music. When you repeat a phrase continually in a song, like you do in you know, Ubu would be the the primary example of something like hip horror or a ruiner even when you do that does that change the meaning of the phrase for you i don't think it changes the, i don't think the meaning of the phrase changes for me but i know that that is definitely an, an idea i think m- more about with repetition the trance side of things um and that kind of is more of a sort of an approach with with when i'm making the music that it can be both balancing like it can balance you and unbalance you at the same time which I find really, really interesting. And also that just that's sort of what music is for us human beings. I really think that the sort of heartbeat rhythm of everything is, that's the innate thing. That is the, that's the thing that you can't switch off. It doesn't exist as much in Western classical music. It's more in sort of more ancient or like older musics. It's almost like Western classical music. We started overthinking everything. And that's where the all the 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 good harmony and and the uh, the other sort of feels, yeah, that's where they all sort of exist. But yeah, really, the the repetition comes, I think, from just that sort of throbbing heartbeat like rhythm. Yeah, it's almost like a state of hypnosis. Totally, and it's very, it's sort of very addictive. That's why I love kind of chopping things up and like sampling things, but just hearing it repeat and make. That's I think some of the most the the like that like that's the most shortcut way to come up with s- an interesting idea is to just kind of grab something, chop a tiny piece of it and loop it, f- you know, for ages and it's like the song just manifests in front of you. Is that the same when you're taking like samples from like a real world environment and kind of chopping it up and using them like an instrument? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's hard. It's hard to f- it's hard to find the same satisfaction with. Um, just straight up synthesizers once you've explored how interesting like a sample can sound and you just can't really you can't dial that in as easily so it's almost I think I think of kind of the synthesizers and instruments around me as ways to uh, it's like that's the that's the real the sort of heavy brush strokes the sort of painting in the background 
and then all the detail is in all the the interesting detail the things that really make the painting are all the sample bits and all the little extra spice when you use those samples in the way that you do as well do you initially write it on the instrument that they're kind of filling in for and then layer them on top of it and then take the instrument out or do you write from scratch with the sample when you're chopping it these up? days to avoid kind of like becoming well to avoid sort of things all sounding like panda bear or animal collective i i, I don't really i don't really use samples straight away i just write a song i get a bit bored with it when it's all just there as it should be and so then it's time to then that's when the real trying to discover find something unique that'll fit and be make bring the elevate the song into being something entirely of its own that's when that's when the sampling and really trying to think in an oblique way about things when that comes in are you always with field recorder then like uh, i'm trying to work out what what is it that actually draws you to that specific sample to fill in for that sound like why why is it you come to to that what is it you're looking for in the sample and the sound is it something to do with the rhythm and the flow of it or is it more about how it feels to you and the texture of it or it's all it's all of the above it's because it's it's i am excited by it for starters and also it's just i want to make give the song its own sonic world its own landscape and i think a really for me a way to do that a way that excites me, a way that makes me hear things that I've never heard before is is often through sampling or at least like processing things in my own way. Because, you know, I like to, I like. Uh, otherwise sometimes it just sounds, the songs start off will just sound like a regular everyday cookie cutter song. Were the samples you were using, so that EP was recorded in London, but were the samples you were using, were they recorded in London or were they recorded in Australia? Or somewhere else. The 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 field recordings and bits and pieces that I use to make stuff is just sort of all over the place. I just it just and it's just with my with my phone and things like that. But lately, it's just it's it's sort of just a way of 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 processing and putting things in. But it's not like a it's not sort of sampling in a way that's as as like traditional. Uh, it's kind of trying to just find something that's. I don't know, interests like interests my ears. I just think it's more. It's sometimes it just is more ex- exciting for me to try to. It's like more challenging than for for different parts or like come out with a with like a nice like hook or something. It's more challenging for me to try to ring to f- find a sound or like manipulate something to to do that job than it is to just play a guitar line. But perhaps I'm just not very good at coming up with cool guitar leads or anything. <laughs> I guess we, I mean, the reason we call it sampling is because it's the same kind of intent where you take a sound that we know and you do something completely different with it and using it in a way that we haven't heard before. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> is that So that's what spectral synthesis is, right? Is that I guess, the kind yeah, of intent of that? Yeah. The way that, yeah, the way that I, I use it. And then there's also just yeah using using actual samples and just you know chopping and screwing them up and things like that in in the more rhythmic ways and but all of the above I find to be super interesting. Yeah, I think it's partly what gives your music in the CP, although it's got you know its roots in the music of the past. I know you've spoken about how the Cure was such a big influence on the last record. It's kind of what allows it to keep feeling like forward facing, if you know what I mean. 
like it's what it allows it to sound futuristic whilst also being slightly nostalgic. Yeah, well, that's that's I like I like to hear that. I mean, some of the most probably the most interesting new music is made by, in my opinion, is our, our producers and people who are really pushing the boundaries of like of of that kind of thing, like the spectral synthesis and and just like music made primarily on laptops and things like that. That yeah. It does sound like the future, or at least sounds like now to me. Do you think the future of music at large will sound retro or futuristic? I think it will aspire to be both of those, but it'll always just sound like the time that it was made, you know, with the tools that it was made. Yeah, I just think people aspire to do, you know, one or the other. It's rare that people say, I want things to sound like right now, because I guess every time you try to sound like right now, it's, you know, the time passes and it's already then as is the the ephemeral you know way that music is it's constantly moving changing yeah but it's it's the i think the um the sort of access that everyone has to the the means of production the the um the tools of you know logic and things like that that everybody uses and the quality of you know sounds that people are making with these products and i don't know it it is both going to mean that more people can make music, more people can, there's more chance people will make interesting music. But, you know, on one hand, there's everything will maybe sound a bit more homogenous, but I guess that would just force the uh, more abstract minds to come up with something fresh. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky, soft, and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.